Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. <laughs> to the outside world, if you look at her, she looks perfect. Inside is an inferno of rage. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and... And I'm Kevin. And we're coming back at you this week with episode number 79, Thanksgiving Leftovers, Omaima Ari Nelson. The, the, the last name is the easiest part there for me. Well, yeah. And that was her married name. Uh, she had other names, but this is the one that she, I believe, still has. Nice title, by the way. Yeah. I don't mean it to be insulting to the victim. I mean it to be insulting to Omaima. Like she's a leftover that nobody wants in the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) There's some brutal foreshadowing for you. Yeah. Omaima Nelson is the most bizarre and sick individual I've ever had the occasion to meet. No one needs to look to the Dahmers of Milwaukee or the Hannibal Lecters of the screen. A new predator has emerged named Omaima. These are the words of Costa Mesa police officer Robert Phillips used to describe the subject of today's episode. Strong words. (laughs) Coming from a cop, yeah. Yeah, and he was the cop that was featured heavily on the episode of Snapped that we got a lot of this from as well. And it's kind of interesting how this case kind of came together. There's so many random facts that don't necessarily correlate with each other. So basically... I went through the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, Snapped, and all these other like websites, all that's interesting. There was a couple blogs, there was a law firm website, you know, I and I basically puzzled, you know, pieced this all together and kind of got the most interesting tidbits from all of them. And there was no one website that had everything all together. So this was my attempt at putting it all together. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of the the facts were yeah all the facts were a little scattered. off. Yeah. yeah, like there were documents that said her middle name or maybe it's her actual last name. I'm not sure. The A R E E. A lot of places had an A R E F. And when I was watching Snapped, they were spelling it A R E E. But then there was a police report that they flashed on the screen that was A R E F. There's just a lot of random kind of details. Like this isn't a super old case, but it's from the 90s. And so a lot of times, even, you know, before kind of digitizing a lot of this stuff, I think there were some typos and obviously like missed transcripts and stuff. So we're we're trying our best, but it's it's a juicy tale. No pun intended. Nice one. No, I didn't want that to be a nice one. It was no pun intended. This one's just it's it's got a lot. So buckle up. (laughs) Omaima. Ari Nelson was born in a small farming village in the south of Egypt near the Sudanese border. She was raised in Egypt in 1968 and grew up in Cairo. And in the Snapped episode, they talked about how she grew up in the City of the Dead. Did you hear that part? Right, yeah. And it was basically what the guy was describing it as, which sounds really cool, but also really depressing, is that it's basically a city like surrounded by a huge cemetery. 
I, the city kind of is the cemetery, but there's houses in yeah, the cemetery. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it just sounds it's creepy It's just like as blocks fuck. and blocks of, you know, yeah. graves. So she grew up there, which, you know, maybe gives her a morbid sense of being. I don't know. As a child, she was subjected to abuse by her father, and she actually did receive the female genital mutilation at seven years old, and the psychiatrist that worked with her that was on the Snapped episode was just saying, like, how brutal it was. It was, like, very, like, no anesthesia, no kind of pain medication or anything, no antibiotics, and they just sliced her clitoris off Yeah, those at seven that... years old. Like, women in the village, not trained medical professionals, and it left her incredibly scarred. And I think it even came into evidence in her trial. Yeah, that practice is totally... Fucking insane. At age 18 in 1986, she met and began dating an American oil worker who both her family and her really wanted to marry. This was kind of like her ticket out of town, too, because it was a brutal place to live. When his contract was up in Egypt, the married couple moved to Texas. The marriage ended in divorce very soon after they had moved there. After that, she used her exotic looks, which is what they kept saying in the Snapped episode. She is very beautiful. She's dark skinned. She's got this big, beautiful mane of like black flowing hair. And she's very petite. She's got big boobs, skinny legs, tiny waist. She's very pretty. She's about five feet tall. She's just a total bombshell. So she definitely used her petite, attractive body and pretty face to lure men in bars. They would wine and dine her and provide her with a temporary roof over her head. Essentially, this was her existence for the next few years after her divorce from that oil worker guy until she moved to Costa Mesa, California. And if you don't know where Costa Mesa, California is, it's in Orange County. It's a very, very affluent city, probably near where your sister lives. It's by Huntington Beach, right? It is. It's it's in Orange County, and it's it's basically... I mean, if you think of like one of those double mint commercials where there's like sailing ships and twins on a, you know, tandem bike, like that's probably Costa Mesa. You know, it's just it's a very picturesque beach city that a lot of people kind of consider paradise. Two dudes on one surfboard. (laughs) There she nannied and had other odd modeling jobs. And a lot of times this is kind of referred to as like the model killer and all this stuff. It seemed like she did very amateur modeling and it was mostly for like lingerie. It almost looked like she was a borderline like a stripper almost, but not really. I think it was just like back then like mail order, like kind of pictures of naked ladies, maybe like, you know, like really low budget playboy almost, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, she was very attractive. You can see a lot of the pictures on the Snapped episode. And when you look her up online, she's very, very, very pretty. But she didn't do any actual serious modeling, even though she definitely looked like a model. It seems that using men for money and shelter was her most lucrative gig, however. In California, she reportedly had brushes with the law, mostly for taking cars from male friends without permission that's a funny way of saying she stole cars from dudes that she dated yeah so when she was tired of these dudes she would yes. just like bounce and like take their cars or yeah, so steal like, shit from the house yeah so you know some sources reported so this source said taking cars from male friends without permission and there were other places where they were like yeah she would break up with dudes and steal their cars and then they would like report it missing 
She also got caught driving under the influence of alcohol and for petty theft and numerous traffic violations. They talked about one shoplifting offense where she shoplifted and they like tackled her and it was a female security guard and she tried to bite the boob off of the security guard. And so she got not only got like petty theft or whatever, but she actually got like a battery charge on top of that because she like resisted and ended up kind of mangling this woman's breast. And of course, like people who I think on the snapped episode were like, this was just a precursor to what she was capable of. And it's like, mm, OK, I mean, that might be true, but it was it was almost like they're trying to make a bad pun. Yeah, but she did do some jail time for that. Yeah. So I think she did a couple months in jail. In 1990, she was living with one of her boyfriends, Robert Hansen. He was an older man that Omaima thought would be an easy sugar daddy. However, one night when she asked for money, he replied, well, what are you going to do for me? So she tied him up and wrapped like in a kinky sex way. And then when he was all tied up, she pointed a gun at his head and demanded money. Luckily for Hansen, his hands weren't tied that tight. So he was able to free himself and wrestle the gun away from her. He said that he actually even gave it back to her without checking to see if there was bullets in it, which kind of goes to show that he didn't take it entirely seriously, but it was serious enough that they never saw each other again after that. And he didn't report it to police because he said he felt embarrassed by it because he wasn't sure if it was real or not. Too and they, kinky. And, and that he felt kind of taken. You know what I mean? <sighs> I probably would report that. <laughs> After that relationship ended, Omaima was on the prowl for her next boyfriend slash victim. Omaima met Bill Nelson in 1991, reportedly at a bar playing pool. He could easily have been Omaima's father. They were about 33 years age difference, which sort of worked for her. Like with all of her boyfriends, she wanted to be taken care of. So a little about Bill. Bill was 56 years old and from Texas. He drove a shiny red Corvette. He had five children and 17 grandchildren. Wow. Bill used to be a pilot, but then in 1984, he was convicted for smuggling marijuana. And after serving four years in a federal penitentiary, he was released on parole and got a job at a company called Cannon Mortgage. And by the marijuana thing, what... I mean is that it was an entire plane full of marijuana. It was made out of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Just after a few weeks of dating, Bill took Omaima on a road trip to meet his family in Arkansas and Texas. Though they weren't crazy about her at first, the family that is, she eventually grew on them. Somewhere in Arizona on that road trip in October of 1991, 56-year-old Bill and 23-year-old Omaima decided to tie the knot. Quote, they were real quiet, mysterious people, said the president of Bill's company, Sue Swanson. She said that he had met Omaima and, quote, all of a sudden they were married. That is kind of just a strange red flag, especially with the age thing and, well... Her track record. So let's fast forward to Sunday, December 1st, 1991. At around 9 in the morning, there was a loud knocking on Jose Esquivel's door. He was planning on sleeping in, so he ignored the knocks. Four hours later, the knocking was back, but this time he was up, so he decided to answer the door. It was someone he knew, his ex-girlfriend from over a year ago, Omaima Nelson. 
And other sources said, you know, they, they kind of call him like an ex-boyfriend, but they actually just went on a couple of dates and then never talked again. Yeah, he didn't know her very well No, at all. not at all. Regardless, she frantically told him that she needed help getting rid of a body. She told him that her husband had raped her, so she killed him in self-defense. She tearfully told him how Bill Nelson had tied her hands and ankles to the bed and raped her at knife point, Jose said. Omaima told Jose that she broke loose, grabbed a bedside lamp, and smacked Bill Nelson over the head, Jose testified. Quote, she said he fell over and was unconscious and that she picked up the tool that he had used to threaten her during the rape and cut him. So Jose said this, moving his hand up and down in a slashing motion. Quote, she said that she had chopped him up in pieces and that his head was in the refrigerator. She said I was to dispose of the head, the dentures <laughs> specifically, so there wouldn't be any trace to make out who it was. End quote. He told Omaima to stay put at his apartment and that he would go get his truck and bring it back there. Instead, he immediately called the police and told them what had happened. The police were at Jose's place in minutes. He used a payphone because he didn't have a cell phone. 1991. Yep. The police saw that she had visible injuries that could be consistent with a rape or an assault of some type. She denied everything, though, that J Jose had told them. She told them that her husband was out of town and that she was fine. No one was dead. They didn't take her word for it, though. They decided to search the car, which had some trash bags in it. Upon opening the first one and pulling back the dark liquid-soaked newspaper, they discovered organs. Human organs. This, there was probably something to this. Yeah. She claimed that someone was trying to set her up and then blamed the slain on a man who caught a ride with her to a nearby automated laundry. She then told police that she believed she should contact Bill for help in finding his assailant, even though she knew he was dead. She was starting to not totally make sense. I don't think she was totally lucid. In denying involvement in the slain shortly after her arrest, Omaima told police that she could not even cut her own hair, much less someone who weighed 230 pounds. She also asked police whether she could plead guilty and request the gas chair, according to the report. So, I love yeah, a good she, ride on the gas chair. Yeah. She was just kind of falling apart right before their eyes. You know. Yeah. Sounds like it. They went to Bill Nelson's apartment and found a huge mess. A lot of the police officers that were involved in this said this was the most gruesome crime scene they ever saw in their entire career and ever will. Because also, like, think about it, like Costa Mesa, Orange County, like fairly affluent neighborhood. Like you don't see this kind of shit. Yeah. There were suitcases and plastic bags soaked with dark liquid from his body parts, said Randolph Pawlowski, the senior deputy district attorney in Orange County. In the fry cooker, there sat Mr. Nelson's hands, apparently to burn off the fingertips so that they couldn't get prints. In the freezer, there were hot dogs, peas, carrots, oh, and Mr. Nelson's head. Apparently, it had also been deep fried in the deep fat fryer. Gross. Very fucking gross. 
However, much of Bill's body was missing. And this is a quote from the, the assistant district attorney. We're missing about 130 pounds of Bill. You know where he might have gone? Ugh. <laughs> I know he thought he was trying to be fun. I, you know, there's a lot of punniness in this case in every single thing that I've read. So I don't know. I'm not trying to necessarily go with it, but, you know, it's it's gross. And I also have seen a lot of varying reports on, like, how much of him was missing. Some reports said 80 pounds. Some reports said 100 pounds. But this one was a quote, so I went with it. Many sources claim that she mixed up. Oh, yeah, this is gross. Ready? Many sources claim that she mixed up his body parts with leftover turkey and disposed of him in the garbage disposal, which totally reminds me of Dennis Nilsson, where he tried to take like KFC chicken bones oh, and like right. scatter it amongst the like human remains that were in like the septic, you know, system in the back of his apartment complex. Like it's very similar to that where it's just like, no, just sprinkle around some meat and then maybe none, no one will be the wiser. I mean, like, no one will find the head in the freezer or the hands in the pan next to it, you know? Who had all the pizza? In oh, the, that the, was Casey Anthony. In the car, right? Yeah, she was like, oh, it smells like human decomp because I had some pizza back there. Yeah, it's just bad pepperoni. Yeah. Man, people always trying to use food to cover up murder. Well, when you take food out of the fridge, it starts to stink. I suppose. So, like I said, leftover turkey. Oh, so took the leftover, took the parts of Bill, mixed it up with some leftover turkey. They had a Thanksgiving dinner. So I, you know, I know we said that it, this was Defe December 1st when all, like, all of this is happening. She killed him on Thanksgiving. He had actually called his stepdaughter that morning and was kind of bragging about the awesome turkey dinner that they were going to be having that night and how like Omaima was like cooking and they're going to have this great meal and stuff. So obviously the cooking happened. <laughs> oh, yes, it did. And then, and then some more cooking happened. And then she mixed in the leftover turkey with his remains and then was shoving it down the garbage disposal. And neighbors said that the garbage disposal was going for days. They, like, didn't hear it stop for, like, two days. <sighs> the medical examiner pieced together what was left of Bill Nelson. Besides being decapitated, dismembered, and disemboweled, he had apparently been castrated, too cause of death was determined to be from multiple blunt force injuries to his skull, consistent with being hit by the lamp and iron found at the scene. The medical examiner also found ligature marks around Bill's ankles. Since Bill's hands had been cut off, there was no way to, to determine if his hands were tied as well, but the broken bedposts at the scene would indicate that they were. The medical examiner also noted that the body had been dismembered with unusual precision, as if his killer had done this before. Yeah, and so a lot of people are basically have written that, you know, what she claimed happened to her, like she was tied up and raped, is basically what actually happened to him. Like, he wasn't raped, but he was tied up and potentially tortured and then killed. Yeah. During the trial, a psychiatrist testified that Omaima Nelson told him that she dressed up in a red hat, red shoes, and red lipstick before spending hours chopping up her husband's body. She also told her therapist that she had eaten some of the body parts. Slow cooked his ribs in barbecue sauce, but she later denied engaging in cannibalism. 
One officer said that she said he tasted sweet, just like she liked it. Quote, something inside me told me that I had to do it, like demons, Omaima told the police. Sure, blame it on the demons. (laughs) She claimed that two women covered in blood told her to do it and that she didn't remember anything about the murder. Despite all the crazy things she told psychologists, police, and or attorneys, her trial began in December of 1992. There was no dispute that Omaima Nelson killed him, but her attorney, public defender Thomas G. Mooney, said she was acting in self-defense after her husband raped her that night. Mooney also said that Omaima had been involved in other abusive relationships, which resulted in her having battered woman syndrome. The condition took a psychological toll on her, ultimately leading to this November 1991 killing. Omaima told authorities she was under severe stress because her husband was physically and sexually abusive. She was given a psychological evaluation, which revealed that she was suffering from PTSD. On her own behalf, however, Omaima told police that she really is a warm person who wouldn't hurt a mosquito. <laughs> also, Omaima wants you to know, quote, I swear to God, I did not, I did not eat any part of him. I am not a monster. She wants you to know that, Kevin. I'm glad that she wants me to know that. She also claimed, and this was kind of like one of the reasons that the case was also kind of big, too. She also claimed that spirits of ancient Egyptians spoke to her and acted through her. It was these spirits who told her to kill her husband and then to dismember him. Because if his remains were scattered all over the place, she wouldn't have to meet him in the afterlife. So apparently, if you're in pieces, you won't make it to the afterlife. That is uh, that is true. That's an old belief, yeah. Yeah. So in January of 1993, so it took about the trial took about two months. The jury deliberated for six days before acquitting her on first degree murder charges. However, she was found guilty of second degree murder as well as for the assault on Hanson, uh, Robert Hanson, that dude that she tied up and had a gun pointed at. And she was sentenced to 28 years to life. She is currently serving her sentence in the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla. And in the Snapped episode, one of the jurors talks about how it was really, really difficult to like charge her, you know, make make her guilty of first degree murder because like she had been through so much, you know. And it was just funny because like the one of the jurors names was Famous Hook. That was his name. His first name was Famous. Was he a pirate? <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's like a really, he was like a cool dude. Like, and he just flashed on screen and he was like, man, she'd already been through enough. I don't want to give her first degree murder. So we gave her second. <laughs> While in prison, I know this is a shocker. She began a long distance relationship with an older rich man who was disabled. And he was in his 70s. Oh, She knows how to pick him. So after they got married, he would wheel on down in his wheelchair for his conjugal visits. Hell yeah. And soon after, he passed away and left her everything. So she is now currently a rich woman in prison. So Omaima first became eligible for parole in 2006, but was denied when commissioners found her unpredictable and a serious threat to public safety. 
In 2011, she came up for parole again, but was again denied. The parole board cited that she had not taken responsibility for the murder and would not be a productive citizen if she were freed. Omaima will be eligible for parole again in 2026. She will be 58 years old. And then she's going to date a 110-year-old guy. <laughs> she's going to date a skeleton. <sighs> yeah. One-eyed Willie from the Goonies. So what do you think? Well, you know, all jokes aside, she had a terrible childhood, it sounds like. Yeah. And Egypt back in the... You know, I think at one point, Cairo was like, you know, pretty... I don't know if liberal is the right word. Progressive? But I guess maybe progressive. Like, I don't, I think, you know, parts of Africa and like the Middle East were like all crazy, like conservative, like they are now. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that was like that in the 60s. Obviously, with the clitorectomy and stuff, there was some serious old school beliefs going down. But yeah, I mean, it just sounds like growing up in the middle of the city of the dead, being abused by your father, getting your junk cut up yeah that's gonna leave some it doesn't lend itself to a healthy adulthood for sure she's never really and you know and and it sucks because when she moves to the united states like she was this beautiful young you know i don't know if she was talented at all at anything other than being pretty but like she had some promise you know like she was obviously charming and good looking like she i just wish that obviously with a lot of these people if she had just found the right dude or maybe a right outlet, like maybe she, if she became like a famous supermodel or something, you know, like her life could have been different. But, you know, like what a lot of the investigators were saying on that snapped episode basically was that like she didn't really have a chance. And she just it was this pattern where she wasn't even looking for the richest guy. She was just looking for somewhere to spend the night. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty that's depressing. That's a lowly existence. Yeah. 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 Do you think that Bill actually did rape her? No, I don't. They were together a total of five weeks, and that's including the marriage. I I mean, I want to believe survivors, but I can't believe her because the rape test did come back negative, and they just weren't together that long, and he was pretty smitten with her. You know, like her childhood is like how they train assassins basically you know like yeah she would have been a great assassin i wish like the cia or like the fbi or someone some agency could have gotten a hold of her and trained her you know i wish that that stuff didn't happen to her in the first place yes obviously yeah but um you know if you raise a child like that they are gonna not have much empathy for yeah. their fellow human <laughs> yeah so happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Make sure there's just don't use the disposal, I guess. Yeah. Just eat eat the whole turkey. No leftovers. No leftovers this Thanksgiving. Well, that's it for this week. <laughs> A nice light one. Yeah. And we'll be back after Thanksgiving. So we go, we hope you have a good holiday. However you celebrate it. We'll be up in Portland for a little bit and then back in town uh, researching our next case. 
So you can join us on all the social platforms or send us an email at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. We have a couple case requests that we'll be getting to, hopefully during the break. And yeah, we hope you tune in next time as we continue talking out the trash. Bye-bye.